Six Honest Serving Men by Rudyard Kipling I keep six honest serving men, they taught me all I knew. Their names are what and why and when, and how and where and who. I send them over land and sea, I send them east and west, and after they have worked for me, I give them all a rest. Right, off you go. Over the years I, that I've been writing for publication, I've learned a great deal about how to get my ducks in a row before and during my writing endeavours. Initially, I was pretty naive, believing that, well, I had something to say, so I'll say it. Off I go. This mindset now seems not only naive, but also hugely unfocused and often led to dead ends and a running out of steam. Certainly, in today's culture, where we're so used to reading people's unabridged and often unconsidered musings online, it's even more important that what we write for publication is appropriate, accessible and focused. So if you're thinking of writing something for publication, in whatever format or location that may be, then this guide is for you. Its aim is to help you do your foundation thinking before you put pen to paper, or more likely, put your fingers to the keys these days. It's there to help you build a foundation and a structure to your writing, so that when you begin to write, the words will hopefully flow, and the flow will end up where you want it to go. As my structure, I've taken heed of Kipling's Six Honest Serving Men, his 1902 poem from the Just So Stories. Kipling wrote that his serving men, what, why, when, how, where and who, were the basis for thinking about anything that needed to be addressed. His poem is about curiosity and Kipling said that if his serving men were used widely and sent over land and sea and east and west, they could help him focus his thinking on the task in hand. Importantly, he then goes on to say that they need to be rested. And this is so true. Writing is hard work. So once you've done a first draft, let it rest and come back to it as part of the process. This, for instance, is my fourth iteration. Lastly, Kipling's six serving men can be used both positively and negatively. For example, if you're asking, who is this writing for? You can also ask, who is this writing not for? These sorts of questions can help further focus your thoughts and ideas. So how do we use them, these six serving men? Let's have a look at them, reordered, and find out how they can help you. As you settle down to think about your writing, ask yourself and answer these questions. Firstly, what? What is your message? What are you actually trying to say? What are you hoping to convey? In an article, leaflets, guidance or other formal document like a syllabus or meetings of a min minutes of a meeting, remember the rule of three. Having three main points conveys a really powerful message that can be most readily remembered. Each point can have subdivisions, of course, 
but people will rarely remember more than three concepts. Think of the important messages that you've heard that have been sent out nationally or three word phrases that we easily remember. Most recently, hands, face, space. Remember location, 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 now or never, I love you. The power of three words is really strong. And another one, K-I-S, keep it simple. What's the emotion behind your writing? Is it pride? We did this, have a look. Is it a complaint? There's a problem here. Or is it reasoned knowledge? Have a think about this. What advantage or change will the reader gain from your writing? What do you actually want people to take away from reading your work? New knowledge and understanding? A message? Guidance for a task? Enjoyment? A change of perspective and attitude? Have a think about what it is that you want the reader to take on board and to change. What are your parameters? More details of this are covered later, but initially you need to determine the basics, such as language, what language you're writing in, and are you writing in American English or English English? The overall word count, what each section or paragraph will contain, and how long each will be. So the what will answer several questions. It'll determine how you cut to the chase with the essence of your writing, the language you use and the tone you set. The next of the six serving men is why? That question that we've all heard so many times. But when you're thinking about writing, think about these. Why are you writing this? What's your motivation? Are you going to explain something? Tell a story? Have you got an experience you wish to share? Is it a, a stipulation in a contract or an obligation for an award perhaps? Is it the outcome of research? Or is it a business plan or a personal ambition? Think why you're doing it because it will make a difference to how you go about it. When the words stop flowing and the ideas stall, think about this why. Importantly, is this an internally or externally motivated piece of writing? This will help determine how driven you are to complete it and may affect the format you write it in. Everybody flags during writing, so you need to go back to your basics and think about why you're doing it. It will determine the efforts you're prepared to put in, the focus, the time frame in which you have to write perhaps, the audience you're writing for and the language and the style that you use. The next of Kipling's men is who and this is a really important one. First of all, who are you writing for? Are you writing just for occupational therapists, for students? Are you writing for AHPs, managers, the public, families, children, business executives and so on? Is your potential audience a closed group like a profession, a more mixed group, for example, in a community's newsletter, or is your writing for public consumption? 
it's important to know your audience. Different audiences will have different levels of knowledge, vocabulary and understanding. Different needs and different motivations for reading your writing. For example, you'll write differently if your audience will be obliged to read your writing, to undertake a course, for example, or in an academic article. If they'll read it out of interest, an article about a professional experience, perhaps, or explaining your role. Or will they read it just for enjoyment or curiosity, something on social media or in a magazine? What do you want to tell them? Think about what's already been said. In these days of worldwide access, consider the language ability and the culture of your potential readers too, especially if your writing will only be online. Don't assume knowledge. For example, of the UK health and care and social care system, make sure that you explain what's behind what you're talking about. And do use acronyms with great care. We're all very good at it in our daily jobs, but for other people from the outside, they may not understand at all. Always put what they stand for in full for the first time and use them followed by the abbreviation. Who are you writing with? Are you writing on your own? Or if you have co-authors or contributors, how will you write together? Decide who's ultimately responsible. How will you divide up the work? And who will put the content and writing styles together? Who's going to have the final say and on what? What's the plan if someone pulls out, defaults, or if you can't agree? All these things will happen and it's useful to think about them before you actually start writing. And then when you've written it, who's going to check it? Will it be one of the co-authors of a multi-author piece or an external reader? What's your experience and how will you react if you don't agree with their comments? What authority will you give them to make what changes? Importantly, what will they check for? Don't forget that checking content and checking grammar are two totally separate processes. So will one person do both? And who's going to publish your writing? Writing for publication means that the publisher will have rules about the control and some control over how, when and the style and how much and possibly what you write. Writing for publication means that you enter a contract, however formal or informal, with whoever you publish, whoever will publish your work. You may have a message, or three, but you'll have to abide by house rules. Alternatively, if you're writing for someone else's publication, for example, a syllabus, a set of standards, or an instruction guide, you may have to write things that you don't agree with, or sections that you don't know much about. How are you going to react to and cope with this? If you're self-publishing, wherever that may be, you'll still need to consider who you're writing for and what they're likely to want to read and in what format. Writing for publication is rarely a carte blanche to say what you want. Publication means judgment by your readers. Consider how you'll react to both positive and negative feedback. 
Answering these questions will determine several things, your writing style, the length and timing of your writing, and how strictly you adhere to it, the language you use, how you structure your work, and the rules you have to obey. So, okay, where? Where are you going to send it once you've written it? Are you writing for a journal article? And does that journal have open or closed access? An online or hard copy publication, a newsletter, a publisher of a text or a children's book or a magazine, a blog site for self-publication, or social media such as Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or for a presentation. So many options these days. You may consider that what you write will be submitted to a particular publication with which you're familiar, but it's important to consider why you think this may be the best choice of location. Some journals, for example, have very many submissions, and so your chances of being published may be slim. On the other hand, if the impact factor is high, you may consider it professionally and personally advantageous to send it there. Most journals will ask if you've submitted elsewhere, so choose, your, uh, so choose carefully, because generally you can only submit to one place at a time. It pays to look around and not assume that because you're writing about a particular topic or profession, that your, art or your article will automatically be submitted to the journal most familiar to you. Think about these things, for example, as well. Where is your audience? Are you writing an academic article? In which case, consider where those who read it will be searching for articles. How will they find yours? And what search techniques and engines do they use? Do some sleuthing around to discover what your potential audience likes to read. When you've decided on the place to submit your writing, find out which types of articles have the most hits or downloads. What is it about the article that appeals? Has there been any feedback on social media about the kind of writing or topic you plan? Where then and when are they likely to read? Are you writing for readers who pick up your chosen publication during a coffee break, search for it in a library or an online to study later, use it as information for a task or self-education, or will they read it for relaxation? Where is the publication going to be kept? If the place for your writing is predetermined, like a leaflet for example, or a particular website, or once you have decided where to send it for publication, look at the style and level of writing that exists there already, because they will be attuned to the audience that's going to read it. And lastly, think about what you'll do if your submission is rejected. Have you got a plan B? So when you think about where, several things will be determined. The style, the length, the language and the content. To an extent, it'll determine when you write, if publication dates are fixed. Where is an important question to answer. I wonder, for example, how you came across this article and if our decision to publish it, where it is, was the best for serving the purpose we had in mind. Only time will tell. So when? 
When is publication planned? Are there limits to your submission or are you able to submit or publish it when you choose? If there are deadlines, then consider the following within your timeline. Firstly, when's it got to be finished? What's your experience of writing and how long do you think it's going to take you? How long will you allow between your first draft and subsequent iterations? Remember Kipling's need to rest after his serving men have worked for him. When you send it to be checked, how long will you allow the checker? How long will you give yourself to respond to the comments? When and where will you apply for any permission you need to reproduce copyright illustrations or script in your writing? It can take a while to sort out copyrights or to get illustrations completed. Who's going to be responsible for this? Your publisher may do it, but you, as the author, may be responsible. And this may be the first time that you've had to consider this, and it's important to get it right, because you certainly don't want to leave yourself open to queries about copyright. All this takes time, so perhaps a backwards plan or a Gantt chart timeline would be very useful. When you think about these questions, the whens, then they will determine several things. When you ensure you have the capacity to start and stop writing, at what point you decide to ask the permissions that need to be applied for, and when you ask your external checkers to be ready to receive your work. And how? How are you going to write it? How is possibly the last thing that you're going to think about because it gets down to the operational details of what you're going to do. Okay, so will you write it by hand first and then translate it to the required medium? I actually often still do this, especially when I'm putting the outline together to decide what goes in each section, how long each section will be and what the focus is going to be. I actually often write in pencil on a notepad so I can scribble it out, move it around but that's just me, you'll probably do it differently. Will you write perhaps straight onto the medium that you're going to submit in? How will you convey the big picture? Will you have an introduction, an abstract, some key points or findings, a synopsis, a box with the subheadings in, all sorts of ways. But don't sweat the small stuff. Get your message clear and then fill your thoughts in around it. How will you write your outline framework to guide your discussion and development? Will you do an initial brainstorm or brain dump and then order it? Will you have your framework or headings in place and then add to them? And what framework will you use? Here we've used Kipling's six serving men, but there may be a required section for a formal article that you're writing. You may use your three main points but you need to think what it is that's going to be your underlying structure. How will you allocate word counts to various sections? Will your word counts reflect the importance of the topic or the construction of your writing? Do you know what counts as word count if it's fixed? For example, remember that words in illustrations and charts often aren't included in a word count so this is a really good way of putting across information if you're short on words. How will you ensure that you've got the right style? 
If you're not a seasoned writer, it may be easy to drift off style and remember more casual or formal your writing style than you initially intended. Will you write in the first person, second person or third person in an active or passive voice? People find different styles can come more easily to them than others and switching styles from what you're used to can be tricky. For example, writing this has been reasonably informal in the second and first person, the you and I. And it's quite a leap from the formal writing that I'm doing on another project. It's so easy to drift from one to the other. It often requires more words writing informally, but it flows more like a conversation of other styles. And remember, the style may not be your choice. So practice first and or find a mentor or an editor. When you're writing electronically, take heed of any grammatical signs that your programme puts up. Has what you've written produced a series of wiggly lines under your words? And do you know what these mean? Are they indicating spelling errors or that you should adjust the grammar? For example, it took me ages to recognise that the programme I use flags up when I've used the passive voice. It doesn't like it, but sometimes I do just ignore it because that's how I want to say something. Beware autocorrect as well. It can change the whole meaning of something that you write and I'm sure we've all been there. And how will you submit your document? Are you okay with submitting large documents online? Don't forget to keep a file of the final submission that you've done. It may well be quite a big file, particularly when you've got illustrations and charts in it. So make sure that you keep it carefully. Often it's useful to pack all previous versions into another file or external drive or cloud storage so that no mix-ups can occur if you've done a number of drafts or if people have sent you feedback. Don't get them muddled up. Again, mistakes easily made. And lastly, how will you judge the success of your efforts? Where and how will you get feedback? Are you aware of how to find the metrics of an academic article, for example? Do you belong to or follow the right social media platforms? to watch for feedback on your writing? How will you respond to supportive and challenging feedback and reactions? And lastly, my three points. I've headed them under ready, aim, fire. Getting ready, ask yourself what and why you're writing. Aim, focus, who you're writing for and where are you going to send it? Fire, off you go with your writing. When are you going to write it and how? This may seem a lot to think about, but it really isn't that scary. Take time to do your thinking before you write and good luck.